He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. And here we are. It's Monday morning, and we're starting a whole new show. And we got a full studio today. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. We have uh, Congressman Peter King and the chief. Tony John, Car- how you doing? Uh, Tony Carbonetti, the former chief of staff of, of Rudy Giuliani, and we're going to be calling him chief. And Lydia Serrano on my, on my right, and she's my uh, sidekick. Yes, and we've got a great show once again on this Monday, rainy Monday here in New York City on the number one show at 5 o'clock across the country. we got Bill O'Reilly coming up. And then we'll be speaking to Chairman of Virginia Attorney General Jason Mayaris. I hope I said that right. And he's going to be the anti-Soros. Correct. Gordon Chang will be talking everything we need to know about China, Russia, Ukraine. Dr. Rebecca Grant, she is a national security and policy expert as well as a military analyst. Dr. Mark Siegel. And in studio, we also have Republican for candidate for U.S. Senate in Arizona, Blake Masters. Well, and we and this is a TriCast on ABC, WABC 770, uh, and uh, WLIR, and AM 970, The Answer, and we uh, were covering the whole East Coast. That's it. And the parts of Northern Europe, correct? Yes. <laughs> so we got Bill O'Reilly on the line, prolific author, journalist, anchor, uh, historian, and uh He's uh, also likes the Albanian restaurants, the Italian restaurants. Bill O'Reilly, uh, your latest book, Killing the Killers, is uh, killing its way up the New York Times bestsellers list. Well, it's pre-sale, correct? For now, you can yeah, see- pre-sale uh, out May 3rd, Lydia. Thanks for mentioning it. So uh, what what is going on? What's the next step for Vladimir Putin? So many people are worried about what could happen next. I mean, this guy seems a little deranged is that a is that a medical term that i can use and he's like a few inches away from the big red button i hope not i hope not. but he's certainly a guy who walks away from um i guess 200 billion dollars they're estimating he's worth here's an interesting thing i found out today um on february 7th putin had his yacht valued at 100 million dollars parked in hamburg germany he moved it um, a little bit east to Kaliningrad, Russia. If you look at the map, and very few people know this, Russia has a slice of territory um, right off the northern German border on the Baltic Sea. It's not connected to the Russian mainland. The Baltic states are between it. And this was a World War II situation. So Putin, way back on February 7th, moved his yacht. And believe me, he didn't do it because he wanted a better view of the Baltic Sea in February. That's not where you go. But he knew that he was going to invade, and he knew that sanctions would put his yacht in jeopardy, as they had with all the oligarchs, the yachts all around the world. So this is just another indicator that this guy um, pre-planned this whole thing. He violated the Budapest Memorandum. Do you guys know what that is, the Budapest Memorandum? You heard 1994. Yeah, 1994. Bill Clinton engineered it. The nuclear weapons. Ukraine promised to give up all nuclear weapons left there by the Soviet Union. So the Soviet Union had a ton of stuff in Ukraine. And when Ukraine became an independent nation after the collapse of the Soviet Union, it kept all the nukes. Well, according to this treaty,
treaty signed by the UK, the USA, Putin and Ukraine, okay, they were to give it up and then Putin promised never to violate its sovereignty, Ukraine's sovereignty. Well, not only did he violate it, now he's committing war crimes all over the place. And, you know, there's no way back for Putin. That's that's the real concerning thing to me. Most of these things have, a, have an exit ramp where you can say, okay, well, this is fire, and then we'll uh, do X, Y, and Z, and everybody signs it, whatever. This guy Putin, I don't, he he can't come back from this. And so, you know, the nuke situation becomes more intense. And the only solution to that is the Russian military overthrowing the guy. Uh, I understand this afternoon there was a proposal. I've been on an airplane all afternoon and in meetings in Florida all day. Uh, so uh, you guys have to fill me in. Uh, was there a proposal this afternoon that he will settle for three territories, including the two? Well, I should report. I don't know if that's it's true. I don't know if he can be trusted or not that's either. exactly right. Yeah. Well, I think, look, there's, there's an ongoing dialogue between Ukraine and Russia in Belarus. And the report out of that is that Russia said, yeah, okay, we'll stop killing women and children, but you have to do X, Y, and Z in their onerous uh, terms. And Ukraine said no. Um, that's, I think, what happened, but who knows? You know, and the other thing about this whole thing is when you look at the Internet, which unfortunately you have to these days um, for news coverage because you can't trust the corporate news agencies in America any longer. What a colossal problem that is for our republic. When you look at um, what's coming across from Reuters, the news agency, and, and the others, some of it is just preposterous. It's just you, – you see it and you go, what – exactly is you know why are you printing this you know you guys have all had your hand in public policy every one of you and john now owns wabc radio so you do public policy or journalism you have to make decisions on what to publish and what to say but on the internet they just say anything and publish anything and it's just it's so crazy um, that people are confused, they're frightened, they don't know what's going to happen, which no one does. Um, but at this point, America's got to stay firm. I wrote a column, and I hope everybody reads this column, called Defeating Putin on BillOReilly.com. You don't have to be a premium member. You should be, but you don't have to be to read the column. You punch it up, and there is the recipe to defeat this evil man right there in the column. Well, you know who also has a recipe to get us back to being energy independent instead of the White House now blaming the sky-high gas prices on the invasion is John Katzmatidis. John, what would you do if you were president of the United well, States? You've already predicted this well before <clears throat> Russia invaded I Ukraine, by the way. I was Maria Bartolomo this morning, and the fact is uh, I can't believe the United States is dealing with Venezuela. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're a subsidiary of Russia. I mean— uh, if Trump would have done this, they would have had him impeached, triple impeached. Uh, and I, I suggested that the president of the United States should set up a meeting uh, between Canada, United States, and Mexico and try to make North America energy independent. So, so and that's the right thing to it's do. Worse, it's worse than that. They're also looking to cut the Iran deal again, making it even worse, and buying oil from Iran. And what Putin is asking, by the way, Bill and John, is for a hold harmless clause as part of this deal. 
But Bill, can, can we actually say now that the Green New Deal ultimately made Putin a petro tyrant because we stopped producing. He knows how to push his oil prices up just by threatening war and then going to war. So we made him a tyrant by stopping. The Green New Deal ultimately made him a t- the petro tyrant he is right now. Well, he was a tyrant before that. Uh, Putin's always been a bad guy from the jump. And Trump had an arrangement with him, and I know this because I know I have access to Trump, pretty much the best access of any journalist in the in the world. He made a deal with uh, Putin. I said this before on WABC Radio, and the deal was, you don't embarrass me, I won't embarrass you. Um, and Putin basically bided his time um, until Trump got out of there, and then he, he put his finger up to the wind, and he said, the West is weak. I'm strong. I have $700 billion in a slush fund here, and I'm going to do what I want. But I think John's idea is very good, because if you would open up Alaska, just Alaska, that's all you have to open. And this is a message to Joe Biden, who is not smart enough. You know, I used to think it was age. I thought it was age. And now I've come to the conclusion, yes, age doesn't help. But he's just not a particularly intelligent man. And neither is anyone around him. And remember, he was the only cabinet member that told Barack Obama not to go after uh, Osama bin Laden. And that's that's part of my book, Killing the Killers, coming up. He's the only one who advised against that rate. So I don't think Biden is smart enough to understand how vital fossil fuel energy is to the world. I don't think he understands it. But, you know, I don't agree with Lisa Murkowski, the senator from Alaska, on much. And I hope she loses her reelection run in November. But she clearly states, if you would just take the restrictions off us in Alaska, we could supply not only the United States, but about 30 percent of the world with oil. Just us. And they won't do it. So what Joe Biden did was totally indefensible. I mean, shutting down the pipeline, stopping the exploration of the Arctic. I mean, this is absolute insanity. And now we're paying the price for it. And we're going to continue to pay the price unless he reverses course. But what everything he does, America <clears throat> loses. Everybody else wins. What do you, Bill O'Reilly, what do you say to people like even Jen Psaki, again, was specifically asked during her press briefing before you know, we saw these gas prices going up well before uh, Putin. Yeah, but the problem, the problem that Ducey, and he's the only one there in the yes. White House press corps that will challenge the Biden administration. The rest won't, and that's pathetic. The problem with Ducey is he, he, his questions are not precise enough. So the way you quiz Saki is this. Um, Madam Press Secretary, always address her that way, okay? When Donald Trump left office, the average price of a gasoline in the United States was $2.30. The week before Putin invaded Ukraine, the average price of a dollar, and then you give the price for the week before. I don't have that offhand, Mm -hmm. okay? But it was around $3.310. That's how you do it. And then now it's $4 a gallon. So taking Putin out of the equation, gas prices had risen more than a dollar a gallon. Then you strip her of that. You see, you you crush her. Mm-hmm. And why this isn't what, you know, there isn't anyone in any of the corporate news agencies in charge now. And I know them all. There's not one person 
who understands how journalism should be practiced. Not one. It would like having the American Medical Association run by a hockey player. Okay? They don't know how to instruct their journalists on how to do their job. You know, it's not hard. You ask precision questions. You stop the propaganda cold. So Saki said today, well, no, it's Putin. He's responsible for all the price rises at the pump in America. That's a lie. And you can prove the lie on the spot if you have on your notebook the stats. But they don't. Drives me up the wall. Now, it has made my independent news agency at BillOReilly.com the most powerful and profitable independent news agency in the world. Not in the country. This dereliction of journalism duty that you see in the corporate media have enriched me. But I'm still furious about it. Because, I, I mean, I'm sitting there going, this is insane. You, these people are not going to tell you. The Biden administration is not going to tell you the truth. Period. You're not getting the truth from Jen Psaki. And you know what? She's good at what she does. She's slick. But you've got to nail her with the facts. That's what a good You're reporter does. Right. Get them with the facts. What are you going to be talking about on your show tonight at 9 o'clock on WABC Radio? Cuomo. Oh, he's I mean, been I'm around. He's been Putin around. I'm going to talk about Biden, and I'm going to talk about uh, – I got a really fun clip of me and Jon Stewart going at it 10 years ago about <clears throat> what's happening right now in the media. But Cuomo goes to Brooklyn into a very friendly uh, thing, and he gives a speech, Okay. This was very fascinating to me. And he says, I'm a victim of the cancel culture, which is true. Mm -hmm. It's true. Okay. And then he says, I didn't get afforded due process. Due process is very simple. It is the presumption of innocence when an American is accused of anything. That's gone now in our culture. It's wiped out Mm -hmm. by that far left, wiped it out. Okay, so if you're accused of anything, automatically you are to get a presumption of innocence until your accuser can come up with facts, evidence to convict you of whatever the of whatever the accusation is. That's our system. That's what our cultural um, uh, that's what our culture is based on. You are not guilty because somebody alleges something against you. And it's, you know, once you lose that, you become a totalitarian society. So he's right. Cuomo's right. Because nobody proved anything in the misbehavior zone. Now, what did Cuomo do when uh, Kavanaugh was getting clowned? Did you, do you remember what Cuomo did? He jumped all over Kavanaugh. Yeah, Judge Kavanaugh. When he was getting accused and denied due process you must believe by the higher left-wing exactly. press, what did Cuomo do? Believe all the women, he said. No, he oh. didn't do that. Oh, I thought he did. No. He said Kavanaugh should take a lie detector test. That's what he said. And he was running around with it. Mm-hmm. He was on his brother's CNN show. Lie detector test. Lie- Wait a minute. Hold it. That's not due process. The allegation people are to prove it. You don't have to disprove it. That's not due process. You can defend yourself and put forth a defense, but lie detector test? No, because then you're trying to 
disprove the allegation rather than the person making the allegation prove it. So Cuomo threw it out, due process for Kavanaugh, but he wants it for himself. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Well, Bill O'Reilly, we'll be listening in tonight at uh, 9 o'clock on WABC Radio 770 uh, and com worldwide on Alexa and on your iPad at 77WABC. Uh, thank you so much for telling the American people the truth, and we'll all be listening. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank See you. you. And now we have a special guest in the uh, – Oh, we have a Republican candidate for U.S. Senate in Arizona, Blake Masters. How are you, Blake? Doing great. Great to be here at Cats at Night. So tell us, what is your number one priority if you were to become congressman in uh, Arizona? Senator. 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 U.S. Senate. Excuse me. Senator. Well, we got to uh, secure the border and end this illegal immigration crisis. It's, you know, it's it's frustrating that we even have to talk about this, but Joe Biden chose this crisis. The Democrats caused this crisis. You know, I'm not going to pretend things were perfect in September of 2020 under President Trump, but they were pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Like Trump had the situation under control. And uh, President Trump said it best. I think he went on Sean Hannity's show um, about a year ago and he said, you know, Sean, all Biden had to do with respect to the southern border was nothing. Right. You can be lazy. You can be stupid, be incompetent, but inherited a stable situation and they chose to undo all the policies they chose to stop the border wall and to invite millions of people to come here how threatening is it in arizona if you're the average arizonan how much of a threat do you face in the border how much does it impact it's bad you can see it there are intersections in my hometown of tucson that used to be safe i remember walking around them as a kid you wouldn't really go there anymore you know we never used to have tent cities in tucson now we do Uh, there are hotels in scottsdale and this is actually true it's not like a, a republican you know bugaboo Hotels in Scottsdale that are full of illegal aliens. And what about the school districts? The school districts are getting overflooded. Um, you have they're getting to put overwhelmed. the kids in school because you don't want uneducated kids running around the streets. Exactly, but it, it really puts a drain on be a burden. the system. And of course, you know, it's not just people coming over; it's uh, it's drugs, it's fentanyl. You know, I know China shipped us COVID allegedly on accident, and but they've shipped the us fentanyl. fentanyl that they're shipping is very much not on accident. We know it's coming. Uh, from Mexico via China, and we're doing nothing about it. It's we lost number one cause of death. thousand people last year. In That's fentanyl. right. Number one cause of death for Americans under the age of uh, fifty-five. For for people out there, they don't realize that what actually happens on the border will affect us here in New York and all over the country. Can you explain why that is? Well, uh, again, President Trump knew law and order starts at the southern border, and if you don't have it at the southern border, um, if you turn the whole southern border into a giant crime zone. The crime finds its way into our cities. So, again, my hometown of Tucson, homicides up 87 percent since 2019. Like it almost doubled. Was Bill de Blasio your mayor, too? (laughs) (laughs) With Regina Romero, the current mayor, she's she's basically just that. And um, in in Phoenix, homicides up 50 percent. You know, there have been like five or six Phoenix police officers who have been shot this year. That's terrible. So crime, you know, when you when you permit crime of any kind, it just emboldens criminals and things get worse and worse. I understand. My daughter is giving you an event, A.J. Katsimatidis, uh, tonight in Manhattan. She's the Manhattan uh, uh, chairwoman or chairman. Uh, and um, uh, are you put, is your campaign getting put together now? Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I've been running for eight months now, and my primary is five months away. I'm running against the uh, incumbent attorney general of Arizona, although he's, you know, I, I'm honest, he's not the worst A.G. in the country. 
but gosh, he's not the best. You know, call him sort of a mediocre attorney general. He's kind of the kind of Republican that got us into this mess. He says all the right things and then kind of all talk, no action. Um, so I think he's weak on election integrity. He's weak on the border. And people are looking for something new. People know that the same old re- Republican talking points uh, don't work. The left is taking over this country. They're ruining it. And we need a fighter. Now, there was an issue with Trump and McCain. Uh so tell us, like, how does that affect you at how all? Do you, how do you unite the yes. Trump and McCain Republicans in Arizona? Right. Well, I'd remind people, you know, 95 percent of people who voted for McCain in 2016, his last reelection, also voted for President Trump. You know, I understand that those two men had uh, had some beef with each other. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm I'm navigating it by being the one candidate who can shore up the Republican Party in Arizona. Right. I'm my heart's with the base. I'm going to all these grassroots meetings. Um, and, and I'm, I'm quite conservative, but with my business background, I can also talk to the, you know, those are the so-called establishment, the, uh, the chamber of commerce Republicans, the business Republicans, right? Um, I might be a lot more conservative than them, but we need to bring them on side too. So you, you believe like I do, and most people do that John McCain was a real American hero. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Never have That's... a bone to pick with his war service. That's why would I do that? But I, you know, I do say, um, you know, John McCain rest his soul, you know, it's not his Republican party in Arizona anymore. I think you could disagree with his politics. That's right. And I do quite a lot, but absolutely American hero, um, war hero. So often, I feel like so often people get uh, personal feelings mixed up with their politics. At the end of the day, we're allowed to disagree with each other's politics. Exactly. Or you you might not like somebody as a person, but they're good for the country. John, you always say you're either going to vote for law and order or you're going to vote for disorder. And at this point, that's what it comes down to, especially in in states like Arizona. Tony, I even get (laughs) it. No, that's that's totally right. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Blake Masters, again, for U.S. Senate in Arizona. And we've got another great guest coming up on. We will be speaking with the Virginia Attorney General, Jason Mieres, who's basically going to kind of create an anti-Soros type of situation. We'll be right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show on the line for us right now. We have the Attorney General of Virginia. We have Jason Miarez, and he's got a plan in place on how to combat all of these Soros elected district attorneys. Welcome, Attorney General Miarez. Great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a joy. You were part of the victory, the big victory they had in Virginia this year. Tell us about that big victory. Well, I mean, I think what you saw with myself and Governor Glenn Youngkin and, and my running mate, Winston Steers, our great lieutenant governor, is we really we really ran on a couple of different major issues. We, we had a far-left liberal monopoly in, in Virginia the last two years prior to our election that had really taken Virginia in this far, far-left leftward lurch. And I like to say Virginia is not a red state or a blue state. It's a common sense state. And one of those big issues that we saw as well was what was happening, not just in Richmond at the state level with our governor, with this parole board scandal where they're letting out cop killers and murders and rapists out sometimes with decades on their sentence without even notifying the victims. But we saw a lot of these local elected DAs, these far left, quote unquote, progressive prosecutors that got elected and it was this collective kind of criminal first, victim last mindset that had caused Virginia's murder rate to skyrocket in over the highs it had been in two decades. So I'd say jobs, public safety, and then finally parental empowerment was such a big issue we saw what was going on with our schools. And so those three issues really created 
this great desire for change in Virginia. I was glad to be part of that team. Uh, glad, honored to be the 48th Attorney General of Virginia and, and right now really focusing on that public safety element of trying to make sure Virginians feel safe again. And some of that starts with making sure these DAs are put on notice and being held accountable. How are you going to, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg, General, how are you going to organize your group of amongst uh, the Attorney General to make sure that there's a countervailing force against Soros's influence and his money? Well, you know, I, I had a great conversation with Dave Abello, who's the chairman of GOPAC, and, and we came up with the idea of, of a new group called Protecting Americans uh, Action Fund. Fund. Protecting Americans Action Fund. And what it's going to be is it's really going to be focusing on our DA races around the country. Um, Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall used to be an Alabama prosecutor, and Georgia AG Chris Carr also on the board. But we're going to collectively focus on these DA races, which oftentimes are ignored. But what happens is Soros has put in about $30 million of money in these DA races around the country. He wisely realized, listen, I don't need to control and get progressive control over a state house or a state center or the governor's mansion. I can literally get, uh, with a small amount of money, drop into a race. I can get a local DA who just suddenly decides, listen, we're not going to prosecute, say, armed robbery, or we're just going to refuse to prosecute uh, grand larceny or petty larceny. And that's why we're seeing cases of, say, organized retail crime threats skyrocket around the country. For people to think, well, you know what, that doesn't affect me. The fact that these videos of individuals going into retail shops or Walgreens and they're cleaning out the shelves doesn't affect me. Yes, it does, because what that means is that is a hidden tax on the law break, on the law abiding. And the people that should be feel fearful are the law breaking, not the law abiding. Anytime these stores suffer these massive, massive retail losses, they pass them on to the, to the law breaking, the people that are doing it the right way. We want to put a stop to that and get some smart, common sense DAs elected in these areas that too often get ignored. General, it's Tony Carbonetti. Now, you know, here in New York, uh, the district attorneys locally are elected, but ultimately answerable to the governor. And when they choose not to prosecute certain crimes, it's my belief in most people here at WABC and most people in New York City that they should be held accountable and either removed or a special prosecutor should be put in place for those crimes they've decided they're not going to prosecute. Um, how can you put pressure on those governors to 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 make the DAs prosecute? Well, I think a lot of it is just raising the stakes and raising awareness. Uh, I think you have these horror stories around the country that oftentimes the, the media ignores them uh, because, you know, candidly, they step back and they don't have a problem with the criminal first victim last mindset in our criminal justice system. But sometimes it gets so great that the media has to pay attention. We had a situation in, in Fairfax County with one of these progressive prosecutors where you had this monster of a human being that had repeatedly raped over the course of a year a five-year-old child and over the objection of the family of the victim had reached a plea deal. The person was eligible for a life sentence under Virginia sentencing guidelines, and he thought a life sentence for a repeated child rapist was too harsh. So what he did is he dropped some of the harshest, sentence, harshest uh, criminal charges reached the plea deal, which this perpetrator is going to be eligible for parole in just 10 years under this plea deal. Uh, that is the reality of the type of criminal first victim last mindset that I don't care where you live. I don't care if you live in a blue state or a red state. You find that abhorrent. So part of the Protecting America's Action Fund's goal is to both raise awareness of these issues, because these are common sense issues that 80, 90 percent of, I think, Americans are recoil at, raise, raising awareness, putting pressure on our, on our governors, but also raising the money to help elect 
common sense DA there's something else push back on some of these far left progressives. There's something else you can do, and you have to go state by state on this, General, which is in New York, we have a state law which allows the governor to supersede the local prosecutor. So any state that doesn't have that law, your state legislature can amend the law to put that provision in, giving the governor the power to supersede the local prosecutor. Well, here in New York City, we have Mayor Eric Adams uh, this morning. Listen to what he said. So we had a very, I don't know if you heard about this attack and everybody's talking about it, the feces attack. This guy, he also had a hate crime against him, 44 arrests, and they just let him go. And our own mayor is extremely frustrated. Just take a listen. I want to get your take on this. Well, they were not uh, correct in the situation with the feces thrown in the face of the victim. Uh, They could have done more. And that's why it's important to bring our judges into this conversation so they're clear on what their powers are. So also judges play a component. How can we combat that as well? Because I feel like there's so many. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, you have a huge problem with also far-left judges that have gotten on. And it's amazing when you hear the term social justice. The term social justice, I think, I want to take back the term justice because that's not justice for the victim, right. but the justice for the victim that suddenly has had their life turned upside down <laughs> only because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so getting the right justice, uh, judges on the bench are just almost as critical, if not more critical, than getting the right DAs as well and raising those awareness of those issues. But listen, I mean, we saw that here Virginia, we saw tragically a case of Carla Dominguez where an individual that had broken in and attempted to rape the beautiful uh, young woman, Carla Dominguez, uh, the judge has decided to let him out on bond with not even so much as ankle bracelet. And as soon as he got out, monitoring bracelet, as soon as he got out, he broke right back into the same apartment in Alexandria and he walked in and he murdered her in her living room. I mean, you see these uh. cases, these individuals that have these rap sheets that have, should have never, ever, ever, ever gotten close to another victim ever again and people are putting their hands up and say you know what this is not common sense this is going too much too far too soon let's get some balance right now in our criminal justice system <clears throat> because anybody's been a prosecutor i've been a prosecutor in virginia will tell you the vast 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 majority of violent crimes done by repeat offenders you want to lower gun violence you want to lower crime you go after those repeat offenders you get them off our street and the idea that you could just wish them away and, and wish and, and just pretend like they don't, that these individuals, you can put them back on the street and they're not going to commit more crimes. It's just wishful thinking. And we need some real talk, some real vision, and some real leadership in a lot of these areas. And uh, I'm glad to see that your mayor is, is, is holding an account, but it's going to be a lot more than just the mayor. He needs help from Albany. He needs wrong. help from a lot of people. Yeah. And we're going to call you the yeah. anti-Soros candidate or you're the anti-Soros person, and, and you waged a war, and everybody will help you. And All right. Tell us about your I website, Attorney Attorney General Miares. Well, it's Protecting Americans Action Fund. You could Google it. Uh, I think it is live now. We're going to be doing the official 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 launch um, coming up uh, rather soon. But uh, we're already looking at what most people don't realize. It's not just we have this sense that a lot of these progressive prosecutors have been elected in urban areas. That's not the case. Uh, a lot of them have been elected in suburban areas as well. We. Loudoun County, which made national news for all the wrong reasons this past year. They got one of these Soros prosecutors who actually is now requiring the victims of domestic violence to meet with their abusers because she was quoted as saying that she didn't view these as criminal justice cases. And so uh, there's something absolutely monstrous about the idea that if you're the victim of a domestic violence, you have to meet with your abuser uh, to try to counsel it out. But we are looking at a lot of these DA cases these progressive prosecutors in suburbs and exurbs as well. 
We're going to look at a national map. There's a lot of them on the on the uh, cycle this year in 2022 that we're hoping to play and, in. And, General, get a short name for the PAC so people can remember it. <laughs> P-A-A-F, PAF. How about that? Okay. Protecting Americans Action Fund, or PAF. Okay, well, remember that one. And uh, thank you so All much, right. and uh, we, we're fighting on your side. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. And when we come back, Gordon <clears throat> Chang. Is there a break? Yeah, well, yeah, we go into a break, and Gordon Chang, when we come back. Talk Radio 77. WABC. John Katz and Matisse. 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katz Matisse Cats at Night show. We've got Gordon G. Chang on the line with us. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, what is going on? Oh, there's too much going on. But fundamentally, there has been a change in the world starting February 24th when Russia invaded Ukraine, because now we can no longer afford to strengthen our enemies and undermine our friends. This is a very dangerous world. Anything could happen. And uh, if it goes the wrong way, I thought, I I know, Congressman King, I think you you said that that we should allow um, Poland to send in those MiGs. But that's just going to escalate things. What do you think, Congressman? No, I think we have to take that risk because right now he's going to keep going. I think it's a greater risk not to stop him now, send the signal we're strong. Hey, anything we do is going to be a risk. To me, doing nothing, though, is is more of a risk. Gordon Chang, what say you? I have to agree with the congressman because, you know, John, um, there are so many dangerous options, but there are no safe ones right now. And I think that essentially we have, through misguided policy over three decades, even longer, have put ourselves into a position where there's nothing safe. And everything that we do is going to carry great risk. And so, therefore, you can't no longer say, well, that's risky, because everything is risky, including the most risky oper- uh, option of all, and that's doing nothing. It, it is. Uh, how how we, is China, China, how, China yes. hang, handling this? I mean, well, Bill O'Reilly was on before, and he says that treaty was signed by Russia, United States. I, and he did not say China. I thought that uh, and China would did, too. Did, did he? Uh, what? Yeah, I, I don't know what he's referring to, but if it was the Budapest Memorandum yeah. of Budapest yes, yes. They didn't sign it. it was the United States, Russia, Great Britain, and Ukraine. And but China did that, not sign? No. China they were not part of it. That was Europe. No. And also Boris Yeltsin no. signed it for Russia, not Putin. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because Russia. Russia has an obligation not to yeah. um, invade no. Ukraine. No, Bill said Putin. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's still, it's Russia's obligation. It's not Yeltsin's. And um, Russia clearly has violated the Budapest Memorandum. We gave private assurances to Ukraine uh, when that was signed that we would protect them. Um, And so there's a lot of angst in Kiev right now that they did not hold out for full NATO membership. Remember, um, the reason why we have the Budapest Memorandum is because Ukraine gave up the third largest nuclear arsenal on the face of the earth at that time. They inherited from the Soviet Union. They gave it up, and they gave it up for security guarantees, um, but those guarantees were very weak. You know what a guarantee is worth these days in this world? Nothing. Which is why uh, we can't trust Russia. Yeah. Saddam Hussein got guarantees. Uh, uh, what's Gaddafi got guarantees? Yeah, but these guys. You know what Gaddafi and Saddam Hussein yeah. are these days? Yeah, but Putin has broken every guarantee. To me, we should not trust him at all. I wouldn't trust him as far as you can throw him. So, so where does this end? Does Gordon, does Xi go to Moscow? 
and and get his friend out of this and tell him, look, you got to just pull out, let, end it now before it, it gets worse. You, if you win, you can't control the Ukraine anyway. Yeah, well, Xi Jinping has not traveled anywhere for two years, so he's not going to Moscow. Um, but in terms of your broader point, um, I think China continues to support uh, Ukraine until the world imposes costs on Beijing not to do so. Um, right now, Xi Jinping has, has, has basically shoveled a lot of money into Putin's pockets, and he's also given him that 5,000-word communique on February 4th, a real signal and a real green light to go invade Ukraine. So right now, China is very much in Russia's court, and Russia right now needs Beijing because if it doesn't have that money, it can't right. continue the campaign against Ukraine. He's got to say, I'm going to continue to buy your oil. I'm your guy, but you got to end this. The and, rest of the and, world is going to. Also, I understand that uh, they're going to make a, you know, master charge and visa have cut out um, uh, Russia. And uh, I believe China has said to them that we're going to put you on our system. Have you heard that, Gordon? Yes, uh, UnionPay is a big Chinese credit card, um, and uh, it, I'm sure that uh, UnionPay – actually, in fact, UnionPay did offer to take up where Visa and MasterCard have left off. Also, um, with regard to SWIFT, Russian institutions have been taken out of SWIFT. China is offering its um, SIPS system, which is cross-border interbank payment system. So it's China's version of SWIFT. And as um, Chinese, big Chinese banks have stopped uh, dollar financing of Russian commodity purchases, there's no similar restriction on renminbi financing. So really what China's been doing is not restricting China, but forcing it into an alternate payment system, which is based on the Chinese currency, not on ours. Well, that's an interesting. What else would you like to do? we got a minute left. What would you like to tell the American people? This is a fundamentally different world, and uh, we can't uh, we can't assume those things that we did uh, we assumed two weeks ago. That means we don't understand the world. That means this is inherently dangerous, and we can no longer afford uh, to do the things that we've done in the past. We've got to now support our allies and our friends, and we've got to go after our adversaries and our enemies. Well, it's a dangerous world. I agree with you, and uh, I. Uh Let's see what happens. And uh, thank you, uh, Gordon Chi Chang, and uh, we'll catch up with you. Uh, it might be almost a daily conversation because things change every day. Oh, thank you, Gordon Chi Chang, and we'll catch well, up soon. Thank you so much, John, and thank, thank you, everyone else. And now on the line, we have Dr. Rebecca Grant. She is a national security and military analyst based in Washington, D.C. Hello, Dr. Grant. Hello. Tell us what's going on. There is so much going on. I guess the up-to-the-minute news is, you know, uh, Ukraine and Russia sat down for some peace talks there across the border in Belarus, but nothing came out of that. There is a big meeting, though, scheduled for Thursday when Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, will talk with Ukraine's foreign minister in Turkey. So there's a possibility there. Till then, we just see Putin continuing to try to close the noose on Ukraine. What happened with the meeting with the prime minister of uh, uh, of Israel? Israel? He went to he met with both the parties. He and so many others. We just haven't seen Russia willing to give an inch right now. And Putin gets phone calls from 
France, from German Chancellor Scholz, uh, and probably from other folks as well. Right now, Russia's just not willing to give in. I think Putin is just battle fixated, still thinks he can pull this out with a win on the ground. There was a, a theoretical proposal this afternoon or something that uh, Putin says that he'd accept three provinces of which the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Right, right. He'll, yeah, Putin will accept three big chunks of Ukraine and Ukraine to promise to be neutral because, you know, that's worked out so well before, right? So Zelensky's got to say no to that one. But, but what's, what's the end game? He physically cannot control the country if he wins. That's correct. And he doesn't have, Russia doesn't have a big enough army to control Ukraine, especially at this point when the Ukrainian resistance is just doing such and a good And the resistance job. would be would be smuggling in arms from Poland nonstop. Yeah, it would go on and on, and exactly. Where have so I seen I that before? Where have we seen that before? Exactly. Putin, Putin wants Zelensky's government gone. Failing that, I think Putin wants to encircle and take Kiev and put the Russian Federation flag over the top of the government buildings in Kiev. I think that's what he wants. It's wrong, just so wrong. Dr. Grant, what do you think Putin's next step will be? He will continue to press ahead with his offensive. The Pentagon told us that Russia is asking for volunteers from Syria mm-hmm. to come and fight. I mean, that's just wild, but the Pentagon confirmed it. So I think Putin has very little choice right now except to try to press ahead. Fortunately, you know, it's not going as quickly as it should. We really see, it, for example, Russia's Air Force very backed off. They are flying along the border areas, but they don't fly at night, and they haven't pressed in with anything like what they might do. Expect to see a lot more use of artillery into the cities as Putin tries to get the momentum to encircle Kiev. Have we, have we overestimated Russia's ability to fight, uh, uh, overestimated their Air Force, because it seems like the Air Force is doing Is the number nothing. nine, John? I heard nine planes shot down. Is that number right? Well, I don't know. And, and, and we've overestimated their army? I mean, what's going You tell us. What, what do you think? Yeah, two things. Never underestimate the fighting ability of the Red Army, but what they've never done since World War II is try to pull off a big coordinated invasion using air and ground and missile strikes at a bunch of different places across Ukraine. It's horrible to watch, but remember, Ukraine is about as big as Texas. And so the Russians found out, hmm, it's not as easy as we thought to go in there and do some kind of lightning strike. you got to wonder, too, about how the Russian soldiers are thinking. They were told they were going to do war games in Belarus. They can't be all that enthusiastic about this invasion. Only Putin wanted it. So they're having troubles up at the high command level, and that is what is slowing them down. you're saying they actually were lied to and told them it was just war games? Well, that's why they were deployed, remember, back in December and January. And Putin said all along, up till the last minute, that those forces would go home from Belarus after the war games were finished. So imagine you're a really young Russian soldier, and hey, you were told you were going home. But I think the real problem is the coordination up at the senior level. And remember, they've actually had three Russian generals killed, and it at least as important, a couple of the kind of frontline combat leaders, the lieutenant colonels and colonels of their battalion tactical groups, have been killed trying to lead the fight. So all these things are slowing Russia down. Dr. Grant, this is former Congressman Pete King. 
Do you think he would move on Moldova before he thinks he's finished in uh, Ukraine? Congressman, if Russia is triumphant in Ukraine, I think he'd move on just about anything. Because if Russia wins, he knows that NATO won't do much. The world will be very sorry, but they'll leave the fighting to someone else. So we've got to make sure Russia doesn't win in Ukraine. Otherwise, all bets are so, off. So what should we be doing, doctor? The United States and, uh, and Western countries, what should we be doing? Let's have Congress pass that $10 billion in aid continue to shovel in all the weapons that we can get, keep those security corridors open to the West and Ukraine. That's just vital, that area where Ukraine borders Poland. That's got to stay open. I would love to see NATO reconsider and threaten a no-fly zone. And I want to see the U.S. help Poland send half its Air Force, its MiG-29s, down to Ukraine so Ukraine can fly them and keep air superiority. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And we'd like to have you on again and uh, give us uh, some more continuous updates. Thank you so much. Thank you, and stand with Ukraine. Uh, Congressman Peter King, uh, I understand I heard Bruce Blakeman, uh, your county executive, is collecting guns in Nassau County to send them to the Ukraine. How do you send guns to the Ukraine? Uh, Bruce is trying to work that out. I know he's contacted the local congressman to try to work with the Pentagon to find a way to get it done. Uh, Bruce was out there. He had a news conference. He was telling people to turn in all their weapons, uh, obviously without ammunition, that they have, and he wants to get them to the Ukraine. Whether it can be done or not, we'll see. It's, it's difficult to ship weapons overseas, but again, he wants to work through the you know through the Defense Department and the State Department. Wow, that's an, I, I think it's very very difficult. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with Dr. Mark Siegel. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on seventy seven WABC. We are. We are back, and this is Cats at Night. John Katsimakidis here, and along with our whole crew. And we have a very good friend with us today. We have Dr. Mark Siegel, and we're looking for some revelations from Dr. Mark Siegel. What's, what's happening in your world today, uh, Doctor? John, on a personal level, can I ask Mark? Yes. Mark, how is your father doing? He's doing well, and I was about to tell John that I flew to Florida right when John came back because I'm down here seeing my father. He actually had hernia surgery and a bowel resection at the age of 98. He's tough as nails from the greatest generation, and he's going to make it. So there you go. That is wonderful. You must have a good doctor. (laughs) Well, he has a good son looking in on him that's also a good doctor. You know, it's very hard to, to, to treat your own family. It's very, very hard. But, but obviously, I'm an advocate, and uh, the state of Florida likes me, too, John. Thanks I love to Florida. And, and the Fox, you know, Fox loves – we're a lot of Fox viewers down here, a lot of listeners to you. So one thing I want to say, by the way, before we run out of time is it, the fear and loathing bothers me. You know, the Democrats went from fear and loathing of, of – if you don't wear a mask, you're going to catch this dreaded virus. If you don't have a vaccine, and I'm a big believer in the vaccine, but all of that fear, now it's totally backfired on them. You know why? Because the war, the images of the war are now making people afraid on top of that. So I'm worried about our little kids. I'm worried about our kids. That I understand. Images of Russia. A virus to images of a war. I understand Russia invaded Ukraine, and there was not a single Russian soldier wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The only one wearing a mask is a two-year-old here in New York City, uh, where where they're claiming that, that a mask hanging off a two-year-old's face is somehow some kind of emblem of of compliance. 
when in reality it interferes with learning language and parents have every right to be angry and upset about that. But again, it's time we go to courage instead of fear. It's time, it's time we go to acceptance and love and mutual caring and trust. By the way, Pete King right away said, praying for your father. Love the man. I wish he was still in Congress. I was listening, you, I, I, I was listening to uh, uh, Bo Shredlin before, and he says there's something wrong uh, with the Moderna vaccine that it affects men's testicles or something. <laughs> Oh, don't tell me that. Corbinetti just ran out of the room. Tony Corbinetti just ran out. Oh, my God. Hold, hold, hold it. Let's, I got to get a warning about this. What are you doing? You're holding your testicles, Tony. Oh, my God. How come Lydia, how come Lydia is the only one laughing here? Listen, the, the, the only thing is. Well, I got the biggest balls in the room. Check my vaccine card. Hold on a second. Tony's checking his. The story is a little bit wrong. It's actually COVID itself that can cause testicular swelling, much, much, much more than the vaccine. That happened to Nicki Minaj's so, cousin, she said. The hip-hop lady, remember? She said her cousin in Jamaica got the vaccine. Then tried to shut it down. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, it happened so to, my, to my, eye, my right eye. Oh, God, I thought you were going to say <laughs> I felt that before I walked right in here. Too much information. <laughs> The vaccine has side effects. It doesn't work great against Omicron, but COVID is a lot worse. And we're finding a lot of long-term side effects against COVID. But let's face it. A lot of people got vaccinated. A lot of people had Omicron and got over it. We're seeing the numbers go through the floor, and let's hope they stay there. And masks, you know, masks are a thing to put put away right now, except if you're at a very high risk or if you're in a place with a lot, a lot of people. So I think maybe we're finally letting go of the restrictions. But again, fear of masks replaced by fear of war. And I, and I think we have to look to Zelensky for the courage that he's showing, and we have to do the same. And do not think that your kids watching this cable news 24-7 won't have an impact. At home, show that courage to your kids, please. And, no and we, have to, no we have to lick the war against crime in New York City. And these people that are pushing the whole woke culture, the hell with them. Let them drop dead because what do we are we going to protect two eight million five hundred thousand New Yorkers or are we going to protect three thousand criminals? Right, and and I feel like no. a lot the mask has become kind of a, a virtue signaling to show it, I care it, and you so don't hard. care. I, I have teenage daughters and and they come to me all the time. They say, "Daddy, I'm not wearing my mask," and these people are looking at me. The ones that are wearing masks, they're looking at me like I'm doing something by the wrong. Way, by the way, there I used to be a law not. in New York City that you couldn't wear a mask because it was yes an aid. To crime. And meanwhile, the side effects, there's speech delays. They've been, as you know, Dr. Siegel, we've seen in so many increases there because kids need we to have, be able to see faces. They, kids have to well, see. And other what about kids. remote learning? Huge, huge problems with the remote we're, learning. Huge we're problems, out of time. Absolutely. Dr. By Mark way, Siegel, take care. Dr. Mark Siegel, take care of your father. You're doing Albanians, a great job. And uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, <laughs> Congressman Cajones. Peter King, Chief uh, Tony Carbonetti, Lydia Serrani, my, my right-hand uh, uh, <laughs> sidekick here, and John Katsimatidis. God bless New York. God bless America. And God bless the Ukrainian people. And we should help them. Thank you, uh, Congressman Peter King. Thank you.